good morning to everyone. If you uh, kind of strolled in late, um, we'll catch you up a little bit. This morning is uh, different than our normal mornings for uh, several different reasons. It is uh, originally it was our youth Sunday, and so that's why uh, our faces looked a little bit younger up here this morning. Uh, and we are thankful to have our, our teens to uh, be able to lead us. Um, but it's also a different morning uh, because we learned last night about the passing of uh, Carol Ballmeister. And so um, we are grieving that and mourning that together. Um, but hopefully being reminded of the hope that we all have, um, to be reminded of the reality of where Carol is now um, and where one day we will join her. Um, but we, as Mark said, we have, uh, in large part, ultimately God to thank, but Carol to thank for hope, for who we are as a people and just her example for us. And uh, as the, the youth pastor here, um, we, our youth ministry, we want to set an example for our students of what it means to be a Christ follower and and to grow our roots deep, as Mark said. Our, our youth group is called Rooted Youth Group. And the, the point of that is that we want to help establish deep roots in our students, that they would be rooted to Jesus Christ. Because as a church family, as we experience this this morning, um, there is there are storms in life. And we can be shaken and we can be knocked over or we can be rooted to Jesus Christ. And we can stand firm, even in, in the fiercest of storms, we can stand firm in Jesus Christ. And so as a youth ministry, that is what we are about. That's what we want to do, is to um, share that hope, that ultimate hope, with our young people. And uh, I am lucky to have nine volunteers uh, who help us on a pretty much on a weekly basis, um, who help to reach to these kids, to connect with them, just to meet them where they are at, and to point them uh, to Jesus Christ. And so um, I am so thankful for all of our volunteers um, and just the wonderful the sacrifices that they make, the passion that they have to reach uh, our young people. And, and God is doing awesome things all throughout our church, um, but God is doing great things in our youth ministry, and that is in large part because of the sacrifice our leaders are willing to make. And I asked uh, one of our leaders to share this morning, uh, just as a church, we are looking at this idea of um, sharing Jesus and serving others. That as a church, that's what we want to be about. Um, I think that really drives at the core of what it means to be a Christ follower. I think what God calls us all to do is to share Jesus and to serve others, and those things are oftentimes, if not always, the same thing. Um, we share Jesus by serving others. And so um, I just asked Miriam this morning uh, to share why she chose to share Jesus and serve others in youth ministry. So Miriam is going to come up and share that with us. Good morning. Um, I get nervous and um, start talking fast. So I'm going to try to take breaths. And um, and I wrote stuff down because I, I know I forget. Um, but for, so, for those that don't know me, I'm Miriam, uh, a wife for almost 18 years now, to my high school sweetheart, and a mother of four, one of which was supposed to be up here singing, and sometime during dodgeball started vomiting and developed a croup, and um, so I'm so tired. Uh, she kept us up. <laughs> um, but I grew up in church. 
um, don't have that many memories not connected somewhat in church environment. Why youth group for me? Because um, it's high school, junior high, high school, and high school is a whole nother world. Um, trying to navigate it, um, it's hard. Um, it's where so many things impact us, good things, bad things. We find our identity. I found my hubby there. Um, not that I was looking, but I found him. And not that I'm suggesting that they start looking either. <laughs> I focused on school. Um, but I got lucky. I'm not just saying that because, you know, their parents are here. Uh, he is a Marquez, that middle group up there. Um, but I remember high school as being rough. Um, it's an adventure. It can be fun or horrible all at the same time, even the same day. Um, high school, to me, I like when I was thinking last, uh, the other day, I was thinking, it's like being blindfolded and um, put on a roller coaster ride. You don't know which one, so you don't know what to expect. You just feel it moving. You're going up maybe. Then you don't, you're anticipating that you're going to eventually come down. Um, you don't see the twists and the turns, the parts that are going to scare you, the parts that will make you cry or scream, or even when it's almost over. Um, people can tell you how the ride made them feel, but it's an individual experience. I want to be the person that at the beginning of the ride tells you to keep your hands inside the train at all times, uh, even though we know you're going to put your hands up. Um, make sure that your seatbelt is fastened, tell you that you might scream or cry, but please enjoy the ride. Um, then after, be the person still there to help you get off, give you a tissue or a hug, be there to hear all about the ups and downs in terms of how they made you feel. Being a youth leader, you think coming in, or you rather you pray coming in, that um, you can be God's tool for these kids, that you can help guide and lead. But what you don't realize through your work, through your leading, that you two are impacted. Um, you two are growing and learning. You work to build them up, to teach them to lean and trust in God. Then at events like the retreat, you're in awe of how, Lord, how the Lord is moving in their lives how they can recognize their need and desire for him. These kids, your kids, or if they're here, um, motivate me, inspire me to keep on serving. Um, when I first started serving, I felt like, um, how would I be a vessel? Would I leave a mark? Now I am the best at setting up the snacks. Um, nobody has that covered. I make sure there's great snacks and drinks. Leah has nothing on me. And games, um, I just want to say that nobody has gotten hurt on games that I've picked because we have had some injuries. I'm just saying no's a, even a concussion. Um, <laughs> but there are some amazing times, some moments that I know that God was there, moments that God showed off in their lives. Um, you pray with them. You give them some words of encouragement to trust God. And then you hear how, even, in, even if the outcome wasn't what they wanted, how they trusted God, how God showed up in their lives, moments, moment after moment, that God just reminds me that I'm here for more than snacks. Um, this world is hard enough. Every day I hear something, see something, and just thank God that I had and have people around me telling me that the ride might be scary, but to enjoy the ride. And then... They're there to hold my hair back while I'm vomiting my brains out because that ride had too many flips. Um, 
I know sometimes it's easier to go to someone else that's not your mom or dad or a friend to share or go to even for little things. Um, I had an aunt and youth leaders that I went to, and I believe it takes a village, family, friends, leaders, pastors, all people that love God and want to pour out to them. And I want to, with God's help, be part of their village. I want to be that person at the front telling your kids to keep their hands in the car, um, that it might be tough, that they might scream and they might cry, um, and they might even be the person that passes out. I don't know if you guys saw the video and the, the roller coaster and the guy just passes out and wakes up and passes out. Oh, that was funny. Um, <laughs> they could be that person. But um, I want to tell them that through it all to enjoy the ride um, and that through it, um, and until the ride is over, that I will be here with them. Um, so that's why youth group. As we look at sharing Jesus and serving others, I've asked uh, one of our leaders, Bunny Doherty, if she would be willing to share why she chose to share Jesus and serve others in the context of youth group. And so Bunny's coming up now, and she will share that with you. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Dave asked me why I would choose to be a youth leader here at Hope. And I have to start with my childhood and go back to that. Um, When I was a kid, my parents took me to church all the time. Some days I was dragged more than others. But um, I grew up in the church. And as a child, my heart was very tender toward God. And when I was 13, uh, it was tradition in our church that Kids were baptized at that age. And so um, our pastor met with us prior to being baptized, and there were a group of kids. And um, our pastor was very wise. He really um, talked about the essentials of Christianity, uh, about who Jesus was, that we should believe and understand that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was God's son, and that we had a sin problem we could not fix on our own, that we needed Jesus' forgiveness. And I just also remember so clearly that he talked to us about making a commitment of 100% to Jesus. And as a teenager, I did that. And I I can remember back that it was a, um, I had a relationship with the Lord that was a strong piece in my life. But as I grew and moved into high school, I thought I was really cool, and I I moved away from God. I I really thought I was so sophisticated that I didn't need God in my life. And I think it's a common theme in a lot of people's lives, but it's not a wise choice. And I moved away from God. I turned my back on him. And I made some poor choices in high school. I really chose things that were not healthy, that were not good, and I paid the consequences for them. Uh, I moved into my 20s, and um, in my last years of high school, my dad became really ill, and he died when I was 22, and I was ill-prepared for that. I wasn't in a relationship with the Lord, and I just, you know, that was a hard place in my life. But Thank heaven, even though I turned my back on God, he never turned his back on me. He was faithful. Um, My husband and I were married as we 
moved into our later 20s, we, we started to realize there was an emptiness in both of our hearts. There was a place that was missing. And we were married. We had a home. We had a son who was healthy and well. But there just was something missing. And it took us a while to realize that it was God that was missing from our lives. Now, I do believe that everyone has this place in their heart that no thing or person or activity can fill or satisfy. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can really fill that place. And many people harden themselves to it, and uh, I believe we have a great capacity for self-deception. So it took a while for Chick and I to kind of come to the place that we realized that we had made some poor choices and we weren't as wise as we thought. But hallelujah, we came to Jesus Christ, both within a short period of time in our lives, which also is a tremendous blessing. So that's kind of my life history and my childhood. So why do I tell you that when I want to answer the question of why I serve as a youth leader. Well, my hope and prayer is that kids will not follow the path that I have fallen, that I have followed, but that while they're here, they will make a lifelong decision to follow Jesus and they'll never walk away from it. I believe that being um, in a church and having people pray for you makes your heart open and tender. I believe that um, kids nowadays, they're looking for answers. They're looking for how to live life. And there's a lot of dangers out there now. I think the stakes are higher than when I was a kid. Um, Some of my foolish mistakes had a much lower consequence than the consequences now. So I, I look back over my life and think, my life would have been pretty different if I had had uh, Dave and Leah as youth leaders and the different leaders here. Um, But I believe as a church we have a responsibility to pray for the kids here in our church, to really encourage them to be active, um, to have relationships with them. So that's my answer to why I serve. I wish all of you well, and um, God bless all of you who are raising and parenting teenagers nowadays. God bless. Thank you, Bunny. Uh, Bunny has been a great addition to uh, youth ministry, and a very she adds a very intentional piece um, that certainly I lack. Uh, so I appreciate that she brings that to our group. Um, And I know that our kids have benefited from that, from her intentionality, from her genuine uh, caring and her ability to reach out and to always have them on her mind. And I know our kids have already felt that um, and will continue to be blessed by that. Um, God is is doing really awesome things in in our youth group, and we're excited about that. Um, Two weeks ago, we had a job fair here at the church, and I'm sure many of you got connected with different ministries, uh, and we as a youth ministry, we didn't have a sign-up, uh, just kind of the way we run ministry. We have 10 people now, and we're pretty good with that, 
Um, we don't need, I don't know what I would do if like 30 of you wanted to help. Uh, so we're like pretty comfortable. So I didn't want to have a big sign up and then turn you all away. But if God is calling you or laying on your heart that maybe this is, he wants you to minister to these young people in a more direct way, um, there's, there is room for you. And I would love to talk to you about that and see if that is a right fit for you. Um, but thank you, Bunny, for sharing. Um, this morning, uh, I had planned to say something, but just in, in the light of uh, the, the news about Carol, um, it didn't feel like it was the best fit for the morning. And uh, so as the, we as a church kind of mourn together, um, there are big questions that come to mind that we need to kind of tackle and address. And so Mark is going to share a few thoughts that will just kind of help us to process all of this together. So. So aren't you glad we have a youth group here that encourages our young people to know the Lord and serve the Lord? Isn't that a great thing? Without a doubt, it is one of those spots where we remember that there are a lot of things screaming at us in this world and in this life that, that say they're important, that say they matter. You probably face them every single day. But when it comes down to it, there is something here that we're about that is really weighty that is really the substance of what matters, actually matters in life, what goes on past this life. And some of that gets poured out into our youth. Some of it gets poured out into one another. And I'm just thankful for that. I'm thankful for uh, our team, and I'm thankful for the kids that we have and for their heart for the Lord uh, and for what God's doing there, as well as many other places. So uh, we'll continue to, to see God do some amazing things there. Um, for us as a, as a church today, I kind of I have a few things that, God put on my mind for us to talk through today because uh, when when life wrecks you and it has a way of doing that, I wish I could say to you it's just going to happen once or maybe it will never happen to you. Maybe you'll escape it. Maybe you'll get out of life and everything will just be fine and everything will be good. Do you know anybody like that? That's not life. Unfortunately, as, as I struggle to comprehend how my sister in Christ isn't here anymore, that's not a unique calling. That's something that happens again and again in our lives. And if we don't really know how to deal with that, if we kind of think that maybe it shouldn't happen, maybe because we're God's people, everything should be fine, it should be smooth sailing. Or maybe we think that you know, God should should swoop into the rescue and fix everything and there shouldn't be this kind of, or we should just always have joy no matter what happens. And I don't know how we get to places like that. But if we're there, we're really vulnerable for the enemy's attack. Because you know what the enemy likes to do? I don't know if you've witnessed this or, or opened your eyes to this in your life. The enemy loves to take the pain that comes in life. And there are real pains. Loss is a real pain. And he loves to multiply it, to make it larger and larger, to bleed it over to more and more people. You know the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? That's an expression of, when I'm hurt, the enemy likes to take my hurt and spill it over to other people so that they're hurt too, so we can have more hurt. Our enemy loves to magnify hurt. And so the questions that come when we face a loss, we face a, a tragedy, 
the questions are really opportunities for us to make some choices about whether we're going to be, you know, under the attack and fall prey to the plans of Satan to bring pain and destruction and death into our lives, or if we're going to go a different way, if we're going to find some different things. And so this morning, maybe you're bearing a wound that I don't know anything about. Maybe you are hurting and, and broken and shattered for any number of different reasons, or you're just overwhelmed by life. Maybe this morning, as part of our church family, the loss of Carol hits you as it has hit me very, very hard. And it brings up some questions in me. What does God think about this? What's God's take on the pain in our life? Does it matter to him? I mean, he's God. He knows how it all is going to work out, whatever. Just moving on, no big deal. What's God's approach towards me? What's God's attitude, his, his mindset towards me? If I believe that God is uncaring or far, far away, if I believe that God, it doesn't matter to God that this really hurts, he's kind of like, you know, some, some of those dads who are like, well, just get over it. It's no big deal. What are you so upset about? If I believe that, it has an impact on my relationship with the Lord and it has an impact on my ability to handle what's in front of me in this life. Do you know what I mean? So how do I answer that question? How do I answer the question, what does God think? What's God's attitude, heart, posture towards a loss like this? I, and my mind goes to Psalm thirty-four, eighteen, where the psalmist writes, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you want to know what God thinks about those who are brokenhearted, he thinks, I want to be close to that person. They're hurting. They're bleeding. They're shattered. And I want to be there with them in it. I want to come to them. I want to give them the everything that I can give them that they need in the midst of this. And so if a moment like this makes you question whether God cares, it may feel like God is a million miles away. It may feel like your sorrow doesn't matter to him. But the Bible invites us by faith to believe that we do. You may not have any other way to get there than just to say, well, it's true because it says it's true. Because that's what God told me about himself. Sometimes that's where it starts. Just simple faith that says, God, this hurts so bad and I don't feel like you're answering me and I don't feel like you were here for me. When the unimaginable hits, God says, I come to rescue you. I come to restore you. In Psalm 23, David says, he restores our soul. Your soul ever needed restoration? By the way, that implies that our souls get devastated and need restoration, right? And that God knows that, and that God is the one who can come and provide it for us. So whatever the devastation in your soul has been, God, it matters to him. And by faith, you are invited to say, God's presence, God's comfort, God's strength is right here for me if I will trust him. If I will embrace that by faith. The enemy of that, the attack of that is, well, if I'm going to trust him, is he trustworthy? And, and somehow we always get here in our heads. If God were trustworthy, if you were really good and faithful and the, the rescuer and all that, why didn't he show up here? 
Over the past year, we have prayed for Carol and Bob. We have made meals for them. We have visited them. We have encouraged them. We have been there for them. And I am so proud of you as a church family for the way that you have poured out love on this family. There's no lack of attention. There's no lack of crying out to God for his healing here. So why doesn't God heal? Can I trust him in this? If he doesn't fix it, then he must not care. If he cares so much, why doesn't he stop me from getting hurt? Well, let's rewind a little bit. Two things. First of all, could we all recognize that when we compare what has happened to what we wish happened, we don't see well enough to know what would have happened? We think we do, but we don't. God says he's good. He's so good that he knows what's coming and he picks the best possible path for our lives. So I don't get this at all. And I can imagine a lot of other scenarios. The problem with imagining scenarios is those weren't coming. Something else was coming. And so this pathway that God has brought us to is is the pathway that represents his goodness. If I come with humility, I can embrace that. But secondly, and I think this is really important as well, God didn't create us to suffer. Did you know that? I mean, I know we do. We're going to talk about this on Wednesday night, the cancer of fear and the way that God, uh, the way that the enemy uses that to keep us in unrest. I know we do suffer, but God didn't make us to suffer. When he created us, he created us to live in innocence, in utopia, with him, in his presence, in fellowship with him, never knowing need, never knowing want, never knowing death, never knowing goodbye. That's what God created us for. Do you know why it feels so overwhelming when we lose someone we love? Because we weren't made for this. Do you know how it got here? We brought it in. We brought this in. The Bible says when Adam and Eve sinned, we were in them. And so all of mankind participated in this rebellion against God's gift and said, we'll go our own way. We'll do our own thing. And because of that, death and sin and pain and suffering and goodbyes became a part of reality. God didn't want that. We chose that. God says, well, I'll be with you in it. I'll walk those paths with you. Even if it's in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll walk that path with you. I didn't want this, but I'm with you in it. God invites us to make different choices than choices that bring death. Too often Christians are the perpetrators of suffering, aren't we? We're the people that bring pain to others. I know there are things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. They just show up and it's nothing we can do like this. But how many times have we been, when we had the choice, been the people who said the harsh word or the, the, the mean thing or been intentionally or unintentionally someone who trashed someone else's soul because of the things that we did or we didn't do or we said or we didn't say or how we acted or treated them? Or Christians, we pour this into the world too because we live in a fallen world and we live in fallen flesh. And so we find ways to bring suffering into this world. God doesn't hold the responsibility for things that we brought in here. But what God does do is come rush to meet us in the middle of it. 
And as his children, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, God invites you to share his heart and to represent him in this world. So that when people are brokenhearted, God says he's near to them. So what do we do? We go near to them. We rush in to meet the needs, the things that we can do, things that maybe feel too big for us, too hard for us. We're way too small for the moment. Yeah, but we're there. We're there. In in Romans 12, Paul tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That really is just simply saying this. When someone that I love, someone that I'm in connection with has a celebration, has a victory, has a, a win, somehow that's my win too. It's not really mine, it's yours. But because I rejoice with those who rejoice because I care about you, because I'm for you, because I'm with you in the middle of it. When you win, I win. When you have joy, I have joy. There's a connection there. There's a being together in it. But it says on the other side, weep with those who weep. Saying that this loss maybe isn't your loss. This loss isn't, but it's someone that I care about. And so it's my loss too. I'm with you in it. I'm in the middle of it with you. Why do we do that? Because that's what God does, right? He's near to the brokenhearted, so rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Galatians 6, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word for burdens there is is an overwhelming load, an impossibly large load to lift. Put your shoulder on it and say, no, this isn't just yours, this is ours. Let's do this together. And as a church, we have a heart to do that as often as we can to find ways to be with people in their moment of need, to meet people in their brokenness, to meet people in their pain. There have been times it's my pain that you've met me in the middle of. There's times it's your pain that we've met you in the middle of. It, It goes around. It's not always one person, but the idea is when brokenness shows up, the kindness and love of our Father starts to flow out through us. And we start to be there for one another reminded of God's nature, reflected in the heart of his people. And, you know, I think sometimes it feels like a really small thing to just be there, to just be there. You know, when when we have services and loss of loved ones and you can't find the words to say to measure up to the moment. You know what I mean? There are no magic words. They don't pull us aside in pastor school. Not that there is such a thing, but hey, here's the magic words. If you know of magic words that make it all better, you could say just the right thing and everybody can be feel better. Let me know. I would love to know. But there aren't, are there? Instead, what we're invited to is the same thing our Father does, to be present. And it isn't, isn't it incredible how much being present in a time of loss means to those who have suffered the loss, that they are not alone in it. You know what I mean? It speaks volumes beyond what we can wordsmith, beyond some magic formula of this. Just be there. And so as much as we can, we want to be with those who are brokenhearted because it's our Father's heart and so it's ours too. And so as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, I hope this is true for you and true through you. It says, may the Father of compassion 
And the God of all comfort, comfort us in all our troubles. Do you know he's the father of compassion? That your God is full of compassion, mercy, grace, kindness, gentleness towards you. And that he pours out all comfort to you. The God of all comfort. Before we go on to kind of the the things we can do about this, I want to say one other thing. Completely different topic, but I think it's really important as well. Whenever we lose someone we love, we're reminded face-to-face with some truth. And the truth is this. While it is overwhelming to lose someone we really care about, every single one of us have to leave this earth. Every one of you. You're going to be saying goodbye to one another for the rest of our time here. You're going to be saying goodbye to me. I'm going to be saying goodbye. We're going to leave one another. Nobody lives here forever, right? There's a time coming, and we just talked about it at the beginning of the service. His, our time is in his hands. So there's a time coming that God has in his hands when I will leave this earth. And at the end of this life, I stand before my creator. What will that be like for you? Oh, by the way, you don't know when that is. You might think, oh, it's far, far down the road, or it might be today. We don't know. We know there's an appointed time coming. We know that there's a certain amount of life that God has given, and then there's passing on to the next life. Are you ready to make that trip? Are you prepared for that journey? Do you know where you'll be when you leave this earth? Are you ready for that meeting with God Almighty? It's why we exist as a church to serve, to worship, to point people to salvation in Jesus Christ. And if you think, well, I'm just going to find a way there somehow, some way. Here's what Jesus says about that. So you don't argue with me, you're arguing with Jesus. Here's what he says. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pretty specific, huh? I've had people say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I, you know, anybody can believe anything they want. And Jesus didn't think that. Jesus thought this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you? He invites you to faith. He invites you to saying, listen, I don't know where I stand with the Lord. I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if my life is on the right track. I don't know if what I'm doing matters enough and if the good's going to outweigh the bad. In the end, you were invited to find salvation. Not achievement, not measuring, not weighing comparison. Salvation. As a gift of God through Jesus Christ. You were invited to come to the cross and find life so that you can know. I know without any doubt in my soul right now where Carol is. I know where she is. I know she is free of suffering and pain. She never has to deal with cancer again. She doesn't have to deal with worry or fear. I know she's before the Lord. I know she knows what it's like to be completely loved by her heavenly father. I know that she stands before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And if the word servant ever applied to anybody, it applied to Carol. Kind of wish I got there first so I could have seen that, you know? 
What's God going to say to you? Are you ready for that? And by the way, Christian, oh, I know I'm saved. I'm good. Yeah. What about the accounting of your life? What are you spending your life towards? On the stuff that matters, on the stuff that doesn't. When we're reminded about this, it kind of sloughs off all of the stuff that maybe grabs us and tells us, oh, this matters, this is really important, do this, do that. Grief and loss clarify, and I hope they clarify for you. So there's two things I'm going to invite you to do today. One of them is this. I'm going to invite you to pray for the Bowmeister family. That may sound, well, I know we can pray. Think for just a second about what prayer is. You have an invitation to come before the throne of the creator of the universe, almighty God. No beginning, no end, holy, perfect, pure. You have an invitation to come into his presence, to pour out your heart before him. And he says he listens to what you say. Still seems small. And by the way, he invites you to pray for those who are in need. So you get to walk in. He listens and you say, Lord, Bob, the kids, Emily, I bring them before you. Meet them in this moment. Be real. Be their rock. Be their source of hope. Be their refuge in their comfort. You get to talk to God about that. Not just one another, God. And you get to do this ministry where you take these folks who are crushed and broken into the throne room, you get to do that for them. I want to invite you to get serious about that ministry today. I can't tell you how many times over the past year Bob has said to me, I feel the prayers. We can feel the prayers. Most of the times when they were in the hospital and they couldn't get out to church, well, I feel everybody praying. So don't be deceived. It's not a nothing. It is a ministry you can do for someone who is right now in Aruba, shattered, far, far away from family and home. But just because I can't get there doesn't mean God can't get there. You get to pray. So I'm going to invite you with all your heart, with renewed passion, with renewed fervor to pray for them. That's one thing. Second thing, and I don't think this is a mistake that we were going to kick off this choices of the heart thing today. You know, when, when you lose someone, what you're reminded is that life is very precious, that it is a gift beyond words, that it is, you can't purchase this. This is a gift that God gives, gracious, generous, overwhelming gift. And the people in your life who are precious, God gave them life and gave them to you, right? Isn't that crazy, crazy good that God would give us that kind of gift? And I can appreciate that very well when I look at someone who's had such an impact on my life. It's easy for me to see. But you know what? There are a lot of people that never get to have that impact. Choice of the Heart is a ministry that that tries to help us champion the cause of life. Because right now in the world, currently, today, 125,000 unborn children will be terminated. Can you get your head around 125,000 a day? Right here in the United States, over 3,000 babies will be aborted today. And sometimes for us, it's, well, God, what do you want us to do about that? How can we do anything about it? And I just want to debunk this for you. Christian, God has not called you to tell everybody else what they should do. I don't know if this has dawned on you yet, but telling other people that they're wrong and implying that they're stupid 
is not transformational. Has that ever worked on you? You know what? You're so dumb. I can't believe how dumb you are. (gasps) You're right. I am dumb. Thanks for telling me. We know it doesn't work, but we keep going down this path like it's going to magically do some good. God didn't call you to be a trumpet player and blowing people's faces about how stupid and wrong they are so that that would affect change. What he invited you to be was light in this dark world. To start championing by what you do, not by what you comment, not by what you say to people, not by how you condemn people, by what you do, by where you put your energies and your time and your life, what you believe in. Will you do that? And so today we're giving you a really simple opportunity. It may not be yours today. I understand that. We're going to try to find lots of different opportunities where we can affect change by choosing to do something about it for ourselves. Not say something about it, do something about it. By the way, when you're called light, did you ever go in the room and turn on light and all of a sudden the darkness was gone and the light was there? Did that ever happen? We could turn them off right now. You could see how it works. It's amazing. It's really dark. You turn the light on and then it's really light. You know what the light doesn't do? Well, do you see what I just did? Why did you have it so dark before? You should have had me on before. No, the light just lights. That's what it does. It just is light and it just lights. We need to stop being talking lights and just start being lights. Stop commenting and trumpeting and patting yourself on the back and pointing at others, all that stuff, and just start pouring your energy into places that it matters. I don't need to tell you what to do. The Spirit will tell you what to do. I'm going to give you some opportunities. Our mission team is going to give you some opportunities this year to get involved. Get involved or don't, but I don't want to hear you talking about it like that's doing something. It's not doing anything to talk about it. It's doing something when you do something. So this is an opportunity. And basically, this is just to fill up a a baby bottle with some change. Got some loose change running out? Fill it up, bring it back over the course of this month. And I want to show you before we close, I want to show you what they're about and what they're doing, the way that they're helping uh, women who are facing choices about pregnancy so that you have some information. You can get lots more information, I know, back here as well as uh, on websites and stuff like that. And you can find out if it's something God's asking you to be involved in. But if this isn't it, God's getting you involved in something. And so when we get done with this, we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to close our service. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to go before the Lord uh, in prayer. All right, so let's just take a look real quick right now, if we can, about what Choices of the Heart has been doing.